welcome to Quaker Faith and Podcast, where we will explore traditional Quaker beliefs and the variety of Quaker beliefs found today. Welcome back to Quaker Faith and Podcast with Mackenzie and Micah. Uh, today we are looking in the book Traditional Quaker Christianity at a section that they have simply titled Be Still and Cool. And by cool, they do not mean with shades going, hey. Hey. We're gonna have to get the fawns in here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so this section is like six lines of intro and then a long quote from George Fox from a letter that he wrote to Lady Claypool, who was Oliver Cromwell's daughter. If you don't know who Oliver Cromwell was, he was the guy in charge of England between the two English Civil Wars. Um, after they cut off the king's head, somebody had to be in charge. So this military guy, Oliver Cromwell, was the protector of of England. Also and, known as dictator. Yeah, or that. Um, uh, right up until you know, eventually he dies, and then they go, well, that didn't work so great. And they bring the, ki- the king's son in and go, okay, we're, we'll have a king again, thanks. Anyway, here is what the letter he wrote. Well, she was, she was very sick, and... Um, quote-unquote, troubled in mind, which I suppose means anxious. She might have been, she might have been, I mean, I'm just totally guessing here because I don't know, but like, it totally, because it, it says she was very sick and troubled in mind. I mean, she might have been clinically depressed. Right, yeah. So anxiety, depression, um, anything along those lines. Mm-hmm. So what he writes to her is, Be still and cool in thy own mind and spirit from thy own thoughts, and then thou wilt feel the principle of God to turn thy mind to the Lord God, whereby thou wilt receive his strength and power from whence life comes, to allay all tempests against blusterings and storms. That is it which molds up into patience, into innocency, into soberness, into stillness, into stayedness, into quietness, up to God with his power. Therefore, be still a while from thy own thoughts, searching, seeking, desires, and imaginations, and be stayed in the principle of God in thee, to stay thy mind upon God, up to God, and thou wilt find strength from him, and find him to be a present help in time of trouble, in need, and to be a God at hand. And it will keep thee humble, being come to the principle of God, which hath been transgressed. There thou wilt come to receive and feel the physician of value, which clothes people in their right mind, whereby they may serve God and do his will. For all distractions, distempers, unruliness, confusion are in the transgression, which transgression must be brought down before the principle of God that hath been transgressed be lifted up. Whereby the mind may be seasoned and stilled in a right understanding of the Lord, whereby his blessing enters. For all these things happen to thee for thy good and your good, to make you to know your own strength and means, and to know the Lord's strength and power. Trust in him, therefore." And I'm going to stop there, even though there's another paragraph here in this book, because we're just going to talk about that part first. Good job reading that, by the way, because uh, George Fox, no, I think they've, I think they tidied this up a little bit for us, but George Fox and all the, all the early, all the writers of that time, not just Quakers, their writing was difficult because, like, they'd have a whole paragraph and there wouldn't be one period. It would just be semicolons. So yeah. it can be tough to know where you're supposed to sort of pause or whatever. Yeah, and a lot of passive voice <clears> back <throat> in those days and, um... So, okay, maybe modern-day English teachers telling you no passive voice might have a point a little bit. Mm-hmm. Quakers, you love us some passive voice, though. Yes. Well, what was it? Uh, was it Edward Burrow? I was led to go to Cambridge. You found out that there were two Quaker women being held in the stocks. <laughs> <laughs> passive voice is loved by Quakers. 
(laughs) (laughs) Also loved by politicians who don't want to take the blame. Mm -hmm. Mistakes were made. That's right. No, no. Here's how you say that. I screwed up. Anyway, getting off of the the English grammar tangents. Um, so so Fox is writing to Lady Claypool, uh, and she's she's depressed or sick or you know her she's not in a good place, and he says, um, "Be still and cool in your own mind and spirit from your own thoughts, and then you'll feel the principle of God to turn your mind to the Lord God." And from there you'll receive power and strength. And that power and strength will still storms and blusterings and, and, and shore you up and bring, mm-hmm. you to the, bring you to the place where you're supposed to be. And he, said, he goes on to say, um, what you're experiencing right now, the, 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 the riled up space you're in and the dark place you're in, it comes from the transgression. And, and what I take Fox to mean by the transgression is uh, it comes from the broken state of humanity. Um, and the broken relationship that, that we have with God. And so when we are in right relationship with God, um, we are brought out, we are brought out of darkness. And so uh, Fox's prescription for, for Lady Claypole is to um, keep her mind fixed on God and to pay attention to him and to wait for his guidance rather than sort of running off with whatever state of mind is pestering her so badly, but to, to, to look past um, to look past that to to the the substance of God um, sort of reminds me actually I mean it's not the, it's, it's not the same thing and I wouldn't want to suggest a false equivalency but there there's there's echoes or remin- it's reminiscent of some of what I've read about Buddhist meditation in terms of um, you have all these thoughts coming at you you know and in the case of someone who's disturbed of mind you have very distressing thoughts coming at you um, and the goal is not to grab the thoughts or stop the thoughts or prevent the thoughts, but just to let them go. Um, and it, so, and where this differs from Buddhist meditation is, whereas the Buddhist meditator is seeking to simply let go all thoughts and, 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 all atten- and, and keep attention focused on nothing, uh, Fox's admonition is to look for the principle of God, to feel for the principle of God in your own heart, and to fix on that, and stand in that as your foundation. Um, so there is there is there 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 is a foundation there is a center, um, but it's not your own your own uh, harmful or frivolous or distracted thoughts. Um, I so the way that I sort of interpreted this was you know if if it is that she's having um, anxious thoughts or you know that sort of thing if if she's having intrusive thoughts right um, saying to to sort of shut those out, the, the be still and cool. Um, you know, often we talk about s- still and quiet is going together. Mm-hmm. And so, like, trying to quiet her mind um, yeah. so that she can... I mean, it, seem, it seems like it's... A, because he says, and then thou wilt feel the principle of God, so mm-hmm. that, if she, that if first she can quiet her mind, then she'll be able to get to um, godly thoughts as opposed to... Um, trying to sift them out right from the beginning. Right. Um, I do have some trouble with this, though, from, you know, a modern perspective, because um, the idea that somebody who is, you know, depressed or anxious just needs to pray more um, 
some while back we talked about that whole prosperity gospel thing. I think at the time we only mentioned the wealth side of things, but health and wealth is another way that it's referred to. And so um, that's the idea that you wouldn't be sick if it weren't for sin, right? right. And I think that's that whole thing about the transgressions is bringing that up too. Um, it has been very, very common in Christianity, um, you know, as long as Christianity has existed, to equate illness and sin. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, from from people saying that um, forgiveness of sins is how Jesus did miraculous healing, right? That, that, that the person was only blind because of a sin that was in them. And that's, of course... You know, that is not physiologically how that works. Well, and, 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 and to be clear, you bring up the example of a man born blind as an example of this. Um, and there are times... There are okay, times, there are a lot of blind people in the New Testament. Right. But, and and there, there are times, for example, um, when Jesus heals the man who's paralyzed uh, and says, T- pick up your mat and walk. Mm-hmm. The reason he gives for that, he, uh, he the first, what he says first is, uh, son, your sins are forgiven. And... Uh, some of the religious leaders there hearing this says, why is he blaspheming like this? No mm-hmm. one can forgive sins but God. And Jesus says, well, so that you, so that you know that the Son of Man has the power to forgive sin, uh, which, which is easier, to, to, tell, to tell him his sins are forgiven or tell him to pick up his mat and walk? But so that you know that the Son of Man has, uh, power to, has authority to forgive sin, uh, he says to the man, pick up your mat, walk, and go home. Um, and the man does. He's healed. Um, and so in that particular case, it's, he's, it's clearly connecting sin to his paralyzed condition, right? So there's that. And that was definitely like really strong in the culture at that time, the idea that sin, and, and in cultures throughout time. Um, Although, if he's just trying to do a show of strength to the Pharisees, then, um, like, do you get what I mean? Like, he's trying to... That because the Pharisees were saying, well, who are you doing this? And he's like, uh, well, look, hey, I just made the guy walk, so well, who do you think I am? So, so, so <laughs> in, every, in everyone, including Jesus' mind, in that case, there was a connection between sin and, and his illness. Um, but then in the case of the man born blind, mm-hmm. um, Jesus Jesus heals him and, and get, restores his sight. And then um, so, and then I think it was one of Jesus' disciples asked I don't remember Je- who it was, but I remember. One of Jesus' disciples yeah. asked him, uh, so whose sin was it? that caused this man to be born blind? Was it the man himself? Because he was or, born blind, so how could his sin... So was it the man, or was, was it his it, parents? Right, because the, 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 the right. sins of the parents shall be um, something upon the sons. Right. Um, and so Jesus' reply was, it was neither the sin of the man nor of his parents, but it was so that God's glory could be shown in his life. And so that's just an interesting place where Jesus sort of breaks that narrative and says, no, like, no one's... No one's individual sin caused this. Um, and I think while there is a strong tradition in the Bible, going right back to Genesis, um, that sin is what causes uh, death and illness, mm-hmm. um, I, think there, I think there is a way to, to accept that while still understanding that um, just because sin, sin is, the reason, is the reason we have death and illness, that does not mean that every single instance of death and or illness is is a result of, an, of that person's sin. Mm-hmm. So, for example, I mean, like just just as an example, um, if, if you got hit by a car, it would not be because of your sin. It would be because some drunk driver, and that or, their sin was driving drunk. Or 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 yeah, or just uh, another example would be, uh, you know, 
if if someone dies uh, from cancer, um, it might be that uh, maybe they died maybe they died because of our sin of t- nuclear t- nuclear weapons testing. Um, you know, and but or, any but anyway, power plants or whatever. But but I think I think when it comes down to it, in, in sort of a traditional Christian perspective, the reason that there's sin and death in the world is not, is not because any one of us is individually committing a particular sin, mm-hmm. but it's because Adam and Eve uh, chose to rebel against God, and that introduced sin and death into the world. So um, you can be a perfectly nice person and not be particularly sinful and still suffer the results. Of, of that, of our corporate, of our shared cosmic brokenness. So, um, I forget where we were at with all this. Oh, we were talking about the mental illness aspect, and that right, that, that, yeah. and 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 how um, fr- <laughs> there are often, frankly, ableist things that come out of mm-hmm. um, that sort of theology, and even with the so that um, the glory of God can be shown thing, you know, um, it's also certainly annoying to people who have disabilities to be told oh well see god made you disabled so that then people could learn to be nice to people like you no that's <laughs> no well i think <laughs> don't I, say that to people <laughs> well i sort i sort of took it in that particular case with jesus that the glory of god being shown was him being healed mm-hmm. right yeah that that i i understand but i mean the Sort of everything happens for a reason. Yeah, no. of it. Yeah. Well, I mean, I think you know Jesus. Jesus explicitly uh, rebukes that sort of thinking repeatedly, saying, you know, God sends rain. God sends rain on the just and the unjust. Like God, right. God doesn't give people what they deserve. Otherwise, everybody'd be screwed. <laughs> All right. So continuing on because we did not finish the quote. The next part Fox says to Lady Claypool is. So then, this is the word of the Lord God unto you all. Do not look at the temptations, confusions, corruptions, but at the light that discovers them, that makes them manifest. And with the same light, you will feel feel over them to receive power to stand against them. Which light discovers, the same light that lets you see sin and transgression, will let you see the covenant of God, which blots out your sin and transgression, which gives victory and dominion over it and brings into covenant with God. For looking down at sin and corruption and distraction, you were swallowed up in it. But looking at the light that discovers them, you will see over them. There is the first step of peace. That will bring salvation. So in the name and power of the Lord Jesus Christ, strengthen thee. So there again you see this, uh, this contrast, right, between looking down at sin and being swallowed up by it, or looking up at God and being uh, delivered from the sin and corruption. Um, and, and again, sort of reminding me of, um, of there being some, some resemblance, some resonance with meditation practices that say, don't, don't fixate on these, these distracting thoughts or these, or these, or this darkness, but instead, um, uh, in, in the case of Fox's teaching, uh, look to God and mm-hmm. wait, wait on God to come, uh, shine in the midst of your darkness and lead you. Yeah. That if you... And if you, if you dwell on bad things, then that brings you closer to them, which... Mm-hmm. The, more, the more you fight it, the more entangled you get with it. It's like, have you heard the, the story of the tar baby? Yes. Yeah, okay, so it's like the tar baby, and maybe some of our listeners haven't heard of it. Basically, there's Brer Rabbit and the tar baby. I mean, I can just link it. Yeah, definitely link it, but the, the story of the tar baby, I just love this story, uh, is... Uh, uh, well, actually, now that I think about it, I don't know the story that well. See, uh, but, <laughs> so I'm just gonna link it. Oh <laughs> uh, well, let's link it. But 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 
uh, it is is like the tar baby, where in the story of the tar baby, basically every time the person or the who is who is engaging with the tar baby, uh, they get in a fight with the tar baby, and every time they strike, and their the tar, hand gets stuck. Yes, when they strike the tar baby, their hand gets stuck, and so they strike it with the other hand, they strike it with the foot, and finally they're just covered in the tar baby and stuck in the tar baby, and that's sort of how it is with with sin and and, and just even with distracting thoughts or other negative things in our lives. It's when we we try to fight them directly. It's we like when you're when you're sitting in a meeting for worship and you have a distracting thought and then you're like, you know, don't think about balloons. Don't think about balloons. Don't think about balloons. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that doesn't work. <laughs> um, actually, um, this something something I just thought of that's uh, around the same time period as this, um, about fifty years earlier. There's this guy named uh, Philip Stubbs who writes a book titled "An Anatomy of Abuses." And this is like this massive rant about, um, and this guy is like, you know, he's basically a Puritan, but he's like 50 or 100 years before the actual Puritans. Um, And he's ranting about the ungodly things today, right? And there's a part where, this is really fantastic for me as a, you know, historical costumer, but there's a part where he's ranting about these ladies with their nether stocks, which is knitted stockings as opposed to cloth stockings. Um, that that they're wearing in and and dying in all sorts of vain colors like tawny and rose and brown and he goes on at length about the the um you know ungodly and vain things these women are wearing and you're just like man you've been paying a lot of attention yeah, you've been paying way much attention to what's on ladies' legs. <laughs> like, how about you keep your eyes to yourself, huh? Mm. <laughs> Especially since, consider, their skirts are ankle length. Wow. So, how many skirts has he been looking up to see what color their stockings are? <laughs> so, do you think do you think this is good advice that George Fox is giving to someone who's potentially, you know... Depressed. Well, I suppose that there's some fine pastoral ministry in there, but that I'd also suggest the person go and like see a doctor because nowadays we have more advanced treatments <laughs> available. Yeah, I guess it would it would sort of be on a case by case basis whether <clears throat> it's more of just a a chemical problem, a chemical imbalance, or whether it's actually a spiritual problem. Well, I mean, if if the person is anxious about a spiritual thing, right? Like they're anxious about, you know, I don't know if I'm saved, right? And actually several episodes back when we talked about um, baptism or communion or one of those episodes, you mentioned um, communion being a recurring thing and baptism being a one-time thing. Well, actually, there's actually a thing in some portions of evangelical culture of getting baptized more than once because what if I'm not actually saved, right? And then you're getting really anxious about it. Well, just in case, I better get baptized again in case it didn't work the first time that, you know, you got... You got baptized, but you're still sinning. So maybe the baptism didn't work, so we gotta try it again, because I don't know, the first one was a dud. Um, and so if you're really feeling anxious about the state of your soul, then yeah, prayer and and um, speaking to someone else who was good at pastoral ministry would certainly uh, be appropriate. But, you know, if you're concerned that let's, let's let's be fair though, Mackenzie. Like most people who are who are actually having spiritual like deep spiritual wrestlings aren't thinking about it in those terms, and it might it might actually manifest as 
as, as things that at first seem like maybe they're depression. I mean, if you if you if you if you're if you're if you're spending your life in a way that's that's uh, not what God's calling you to, it's not an illness to be depressed. It's an, it's a good reaction, isn't it? Like it's an appropriate reaction to be depressed when you're when you're spending your life doing something that God's not calling you to and that's that's wrong. Like if you missed your calling type of type of thing or Yeah. Yeah, I mean, certainly plenty of people have found things like um you know, they're unhappy in a particular job, right? Or like, you know, I just I just really don't feel like this is what I'm called to do. I think I think I really should be doing this other thing. And so, you know, they make that that career change or whatever and then um, they're suddenly happier and I guess I would just, that, I guess I would just say like I think there are a lot there are a lot of ways that like this darkness can manifest where like we not, might not think of it like especially in our society we might not think of it as being spiritual mm-hmm. but in fact it really is it really is something that, that would benefit from prayer um, and and doing what George Fox says in, in terms of like not looking down at it but looking up at Christ and waiting on God um, so I guess. Well, I mean, I, well, I'm certainly not going to say that prayer would hurt, but so like me- mental illness is absolutely a real thing. But I think like I think I think while while some while some religious people may be too quick to write off mental illness as a spiritual problem, um, I think it's po- it's probably possible to go in the other direction and write off spirit like spiritual problems as as just something. Oh, you need to get some Prozac. Well, it probably doesn't hurt to have a uh, to try to cover both bases, right? If you if you talk to um, you know, the the pastoral care committee at your meeting, or have a clearance committee, or talk to the pastor at your church, um, or just and then to, or just talk to a friend who you think you know right. is, is a is a mature person, right? Um, and then also see like a trained and professional counselor type person. Like mm-hmm. if you talk to both of them, you know, doing both of those things is probably going to be beneficial. You can find us on the web at quakerpodcast.org, as Quaker Podcast on Twitter, Facebook, or Patreon, and on iTunes.